Take your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17, as we continue our series of messages on hope, I'm thankful that we have a sure hope in Jesus Christ, and uh, I hope that it's been an encouragement to you. Uh, you know, in this world, I feel bad for the people of this world because they don't have the hope that I have. They don't have the hope that you have. They don't have that sure hope. I mean, uh, this pandemic that we're going through and, and dealing with um, is a tough thing. And it's, we're dealing with uh, death, the facing death. And uh, man, people, people that don't know Christ don't know if they're on their way to heaven, and it's bad. I mean, they have no hope. They have nothing. You know, they're fearful. Now, I don't want to get the, pan, the disease again, but i got to tell you, I went to a meeting with uh, several thousand people. I walked into that auditorium. I wasn't afraid. It never dawned on me I should be afraid to go to that meeting, you know. I went to a meeting uh, yesterday, or Thursday and Friday. I was with people from, by the way, these, this meeting I was in, people from 50 different states. In this conference, they came together, and uh, I'm telling you, uh, I'm not fearful of that. I'm not fearful uh, of death, but um, I know this, uh, God's in control of our lives. And so we protect ourselves, we do what we can, but listen, we don't live in the same fear. It's not the same. We are living in victory. I've already won. I watched the Michigan football game yesterday a little bit, and then uh, I went to the Senior Saints meeting here, and so I missed some of the game, so I taped it. You know what I liked? I went back and watched the beginning of the game. I already knew that we won. You see, I've taped the first part of it because I came here, but I watched the end of the game, and I went back to watch the beginning of the game, and I could sit there and know my team won already because the game was already over, right? Well, let me tell you something. That's the way I live. It's already over. I'm already in heaven. The day I got saved, March 12, 1972, I was born into the family of God. I'm there, but I'm here. I'm living in the heavenlies. I've come boldly before the throne of grace. I saw people at that conference I haven't seen in years. One family for 40 years, I haven't seen them. I saw them, just bumped into them at the conference. My roommates in college. And uh, well, we, you know, my roommate Dan Outler, we became real good friends. His wife and my wife were good friends in college, and it was just good to see him. It was good to, it was good to fellowship. But I got to tell you, I'm living in victory. You see, we, we basically, uh, which is the title of our message is to this morning, is hope for the underdog. In this passage here, we have a big underdog, and that's, uh, and that's David. Now listen to me, we look like underdogs today. We look like underdogs as Christians. Christianity, they're just pushing Christianity around. They're taking Christianity, they took it out of the school. They took it out of the, the, the public schools. They take it out of the public realm. They take down the Ten Commandments. 
By the way, go to Washington, D.C. and go sit in the house chambers there. And Moses' picture, a statue, is right above. It's all, about, all that scriptural. Where the, the Washington Monument is. And, and when they explain it to you, when we go to the conference there, everything there is laid out like a cross. It's where they, it's where they laid the monument. The cross of Jesus. They're trying to tra- take the cross out of our country. And sometimes it looks like they're winning, but i got to tell you, folks, they're not. They're not. We win. We've already won. So what we have to do is just stay in the game. And by the way, get more people in the game. Recruit more people. Tell them, about, by the way, that recruit, that's not the right word. I'm telling you, give them the, give them the grace and the, and, the, and the good news of the gospel. That's so they can be saved. Is your life good? Man, my life is good. My life, you know, I just celebrated 40 years. You know, when you celebrate different marks like that, it's just you just think a lot about your past and how good, how good God has been. And you have the same things. Think about all the blessings you have and you enjoy. Now listen to me. Jesus Christ is coming again. We have the signs of the times. Things will, will work, get worse and worse, will wax worse and worse. Don't sit around looking at the, oh no, the Antichrist is coming. No, Jesus is coming. Don't worry, oh, the Antichrist is coming. I got to tell you, church, you're going to be gone when the Antichrist comes. Right? We're going to be We're going to be in heaven. Don't worry, Jesus is coming. We've got to focus on Jesus. Well, there's earthquakes, there's disease, the pandemic. I'm simply saying this. It looks, like we're, it looks like we're losing traction, but we're not. We're going to see some things this morning, just in David's life, that are applicable to us as we live our lives in 2021. As we, as we fight the good fight, of faith for Jesus Christ. We find here in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 17 that David, David is just a normal kid. He's out taking care of the sheep. If you look at 1 Samuel 17 and verse number 20, the Bible says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper. All right, so he's taking care of the sheep and took and took and went as Jesse had commanded him, his father. He came to the trench as the host was going forth to fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran to the army and came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. You see, the difference here on this day, when Goliath comes out of the trees into the midst of the valley, by the way, I've been to that valley, I've stood up on the hill, and it's not very wide. I mean, I, I could have thrown a stone and hit Goliath. 
from down about where they were, those men were hiding. It's not real wide. So there's, there's a valley here. There's trees right over here. This is where the Philistines... It's not like when you see a movie on TV and they're way far away from each other. They were close. So when he comes out and starts yelling, everybody can hear him. They could hear him on the Philistines. I mean, the, the Israelite army could hear what, what Goliath was saying. He's mocking. He's mocking them. And, uh, and so David, standing over there, he hears him. He hears what, what, what Goliath is saying. And that was the wrong person to let. You know, David, all David's doing, he's, he's on a munchie run. Here, take these Doritos and take these crackers to your brothers and make sure they got something to eat. And bring me a report how the battle goes. Let's make sure you're, you're, my boys are alive. Give me a report. You see, David goes from the field to the fight. David's busy in the field taking care of the sheep. Now he's down there in the fight. By the way, that's usually the way God works. He takes people that are busy in the field and he takes them to the front for the fight. He takes people that are busy in the field that have, had, uh, have, have been uh, uh, living by faith and he says, all right, these people have lived by faith. I'm taking them out here to the fight. They're going out here now and they're going to you know, they're going to be in the battlefront. They're going to be, in, listen, one thing I like about California, it's the front lines. It's the front lines. I mean, everything liberal, everything weird and wicked starts here and goes across the country. It just comes, everybody says, well, we're going to leave here. Well, it's coming. They're going to follow you. I mean, don't leave California to get away from the wickedness. Go because God leads you and God has a plan for your life there. To do something for God. For 40 years, I've done nothing but live where God wanted me to. People, I told my friends, I talked to a friend, uh, I was at the conference, he called me. Because I had told him that I had the coronavirus and he told his wife and they wanted to, she calls and says, oh, you know, I heard about this. and I want, She wanted to know more about it. That friend, years ago, when I told him I was going to California, he said, you're crazy. Those people are nuts out there. Why would you want to go live among those crazy people? You know what? People aren't crazy. All the people aren't crazy. There's a few. But there's a few people, crazy people everywhere. You know what I found? That people in California need Jesus. They need Jesus. And if you're kind and you're helpful, and you're consistent in your life, you can win them to Christ. You see, you're the light. You're, the, you're, you're, God, you're God's plan. God's plan is to use you. Ye shall receive power. And after that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Ye shall be witnesses unto me. It's for all of us. And I'm, I'm here this morning to tell you that God, though it doesn't look good, it doesn't look good politically for us, it doesn't look good policy-wise, and it doesn't look good here and there, but i got to tell you, we're on the winning team. I'm not going to walk around like a loser. Well, I've already lost. No. Listen, what did Paul say? What I counted gain was what? Was, was loss. 
Those things that the world counts as gain are lost to me. Listen, I've, I've got Jesus. People are worried about the, you know, the, uh, the economy. Years ago when I came here, we had, we had several hundred thousand dollars in the bank. And I said, let's build that building. We've been talking about it for 20 years. Let's just do it. You know, I said, if we put some seed out there and we'll raise some more money and we'll see it happen. And right after we, we put all this new parking lot in, this was just an old field back here. There was an old basketball court over here. We tore it all up, tore up all that where the modulars are, put a place for a building, put that field in way back there. We spent all the money we had in the bank, probably $500,000, and we had it invested. When we, right when we got it all spent, this was 10 years ago. You remember what happened 10 years ago? The economy dropped. $1 trillion was lost in one day. We would have lost all the money from the church if we wouldn't have built that, if we wouldn't have spent it, invested it. Now, we didn't know that was going to happen, but I believe God knew it was going to happen. And the economy just dropped. But you know what? We just kept building and working and going, and we used the, the plot out there for a playground for a while. And finally, Dave, Dave Vogel came to the church. His son passed away. Um, his son Matthew was an alcoholic. He was 33 years old. He died from alcoholism. And... Uh, it was a real sad thing. And his mom and dad were very, very saddened. And, and uh, so they started coming to church here after that. By the way, at his funeral, they wanted me to speak on alcohol. That's what they told me. All of his friends are going to be here. We want you to warn them about alcohol. Tell them to stay away from alcohol. You know? Our son died from it at age 33. And so we, we addressed it, and, uh, and they came here. And, and through, through that, through Matthew's death, the good that came from that is Dave Vogel came here and said, hey, I want to put, let's put some modulars on that piece of property. And he headed up the project and did the whole thing. And then he moved to Arizona. You see, God brings people in for a time frame, and he uses them. And then he moves them on. And God brings in other people. It's God's at, move, God's at work. God is moving people in and out. And God has it. Listen, right now, there's a family living out here in Orange County or somewhere out here. They don't even know. They're going to move out here to Banning or Beaumont. They're going to get saved. They're going to become a part of this church. And God may, is going to use them in this ministry. They don't even know it yet. They don't even know it's going to happen. When things, listen, things look bad, but God used it for good. <coughs> and that's what happened with David. He's just out there in the field, you know. He knows he's going he's, he, he's to be king one day, but right now he's just on his assignment. He's doing his, what God, is, his dad had asked him to do. By the way, young people, you know what you do? You obey your parents. When you obey your parents... You are obeying God. And God's going to use you. He'll bless you. Because they're the authority in your life. And so, 
this morning, we have hope, and that hope is sure because that hope is in Jesus Christ. We talked a couple weeks ago about being weary. Now, you can grow weary. Now, listen to me, church. If you, if you do this work in, your, in the flesh, you're going to grow weary. Life is hard. If you try to just live your life without praying, live your life without reading your Bible, live your life without, without just fellowshipping with God, He's there with you. You're not alone. But when you just do it, you know, you go throughout your whole week, you never read your Bible, you never pray, you're doing it in the flesh. You're just like everybody else out here when it comes to living. You don't have to live that. You're not like everybody else. You're a child of the king. You know the king. Matter of fact, you know the God of heaven personally. And you can spend time with him. But you don't. Hey, God, let's go to lunch. You don't spend time, you don't pray at lunch. You know why we get so busy? Oh, yeah, so busy with this or that, this or that. No, let God lead you. Let God guide you. Acknowledge God every step along the way. He gives you the peace that passeth all understanding. You see, David, the reason David could do what he did is because he already had a relationship with God. He already knew God. He'd already killed the bear and the lion that were trying to get his sheep. And now he's out there with something a little bigger. He's this guy's attacking my country. He's attacking my God. And he hears it. He hears Goliath mocking him, mocking the, the army. He says, hey, what's going on? Tell me about this. Now, the, 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 thing, the thing about it is this. I want to give you several observations here from this passage and this story that we can apply to ourselves. First of all, we are rarely prepared for the fight. David wasn't prepared. Basically, he's out doing the sheep. He comes, he comes to the battle. He's got, a, he's got his slingshot, but he's got no rocks. He's not ready to fight. He wasn't planning to fight. He didn't have anything with him. So he just goes down to the brook. You know, he's measuring that rock, you know. That one, yeah, that one's good, you know. He just got, he got ready. But he, he wasn't prepared. And you see, sometimes, sometimes, church, we're not prepared for the temptations. Sometimes we're not prepared for the phone call that comes and says, hey, you've got cancer. Catches us off guard. It floors us. And we go, okay. Sometimes we go into work. Chuck and Marie Shatsley stop by here. Um, they're from Michigan. They came out on a road trip and I worked with them in a church in 90 to 96 in youth work. They're laymen. I remember the day Chuck got, got fired from his job. He had a good job. And he got fired from his job. And uh, he came in. I'm telling you, God worked it out. He got a better job. He got an incredible settlement from the company that he left 
Gary McCoy, same thing, I've told you the story, working for Kmart. He was the national buyer for Kmart. And uh, they fired him. He bought all the sports equipment for the sports department. So if you were selling a bat or something, and he decided to buy it and sold it in every Kmart worldwide, you'd make a lot of money. He could make you worth a lot of money, right? Just you. He got fired. He had a main guy in Japan. Him and the guy in Japan started their own business. You know who they started selling to? Walmart. Uh-oh, that was a good move, wasn't it? Did Walmart grow? Of course. He made more money. He made more money than he ever made. But it looked bad. He worked for Kmart for dozens of years. They came into his office. The day he got there in Troy, Michigan, two security came in, said, clear out your desk, Gary. You're done here. Get everything out of your desk. They had two boxes. Walked him out of the office building where he'd gone to work. He says, you're no longer allowed in this property. That's what he got for working for that company for years. But you know what? God had a plan. I'm telling you. I mean, Gary's not that old. He's retired in Florida now, playing golf every day and, and going up to Michigan in the summertime, still going to church faithfully. Let me tell you something. By the way, guys and ladies, you don't work for that company. You work for God. You work for God. God takes care of you. Now, you work hard. You have a good spirit. You have a good, listen, but you work for God. God takes care of you. He's in charge. You see, David knew that God was in charge because David, though he had a small job as a shepherd, God had, he had proved God. He knew. Now, by the way, when, 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 you, when you're the underdog, like David was, he comes out there, and if you look at at uh, verse number 27. Well, let's, let's look back at verse 26 first. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. Who is he? He can defy us. He can mock us. And the people answered after the same manner, saying, they had just told him, but David wasn't listening, the prior verse, what it shall be done to the man that killeth him, you know, that you're going to get the king's daughter, you're going to no pay no more taxes, this is going to be your reward. And so, verse 28, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down thither? Hither. And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and thy naughtiness. That's in thine heart. For thou, art, for thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, what, what have I now done? 
Is there not a cause? Oh, you come down here, David, just to see the battle. Well, that was true. He came down to see the battle. If, Eliab, if you'd been taking care of it, David wouldn't have to. And David steps up to the plate. Isn't there a cause? Shouldn't, shouldn't we be doing something? So he didn't come down to fight. But as soon as he saw the need, he, he, and he heard what was happening, that changed. That changed. And so it is with us. We have to just be, we have to just live our lives and grow in our faith. God took care of this, so when that comes, we know God can take care of that. God has watched over us. Like I know, and the people know who've been here, how God took care of us when we put those modulars in and put all that money in there and all that. You know what that means? We're going to want to build that new gymnasium. God can take care of that. That new gymnasium is nothing to God. Two million dollars is nothing to God. Nothing. And so we said, wow, we're going to build that. Yeah. We're, just, we're going to just we're pray. What I want you to do, you as a congregation, just pray. God supply it. When are we going to do it? I'm not sure exactly when it's going to be done. But we're starting to pray about it right now. And you know what? God already has the people in mind and the way to build the building. It's already done. Why? And See, we know it because we've seen it happen already. We know it. And so we're just going to do it. So we can reach more people with the gospel. So we can have a place for the boys and girls and young people and church families to meet, to worship God and to do something. Do something bigger and better by the grace of God. And for his glory. David, though he's just a kid, he's just a boy, he knows someone has to do it. You know, you just get over there and say, hmm, well, who's going to do it? Who's going to fight him? David says, I'll fight him. I'll fight him. You see, David knew. The second observation here is, if God's for us, nothing can stand against us. That's why you pray. You pray, you do it. How do missionaries, I saw many missionaries at this meeting. They just live by faith. They quit their jobs and they start raising money. They start raising money. Brad Cranston was here last week who works in the, as a, you know, for, for us and is helping us with the Capital Connection uh, here, here in Sacramento and helps in Washington, D.C. He quit his job to work and serve and help so that we are here on the, on the battlefield. We're on the front. We're doing the work. You understand? We're doing the work of God, so we'll have the freedom to do it. I don't have to fight that battle. He fights it. He fights it. And so, by the grace of God, we move forward like an army. And people step up here, and people step up here, people step up there. I spent 
the afternoon with Jason Murphy, he's the pastor of the Open Door Baptist Church now, Linwood, Washington. I remember when Jason, the first time I met Jason, he, he was, I don't think he was married yet. This is like 40, 40 years ago. And I was over, over the Blues house, the pastor's son's house. And, uh, and, and, and Jason came in. I mean, he looked cool. He had a suntan. He's a handsome guy. He had the two most beautiful earrings I've ever seen on a man. He had earrings on, and he walked in. Whoa, what's going on, you know? And I mean, he was good looking. He's ugly now, but he was good looking back then. He's, you know what? Randy helped him get back into church. He got back into church, got a job at Costco, worked his way up in Costco. I mean, and just started getting involved in the ministry. He was a bus captain. Then he became the bus director. He was working at Costco, but he's taking care of all this stuff in the church. Took care of the visitation, took care of this and that. Then he got hired part-time onto the church. Over 30 years, he just came on and on and on. And then the pastor was leaving, was going to uh, retire. He said, who's going to take the church? Well, Jason ended up taking it. And now he's pastoring that church and doing an incredible job. He's remodeled the whole church inside and out. It's the most beautiful thing, one of the most beautiful buildings in the Seattle area. One day a doctor, former member came in, wrote him a check for $250,000 and said, here, I just want to give this to the church here. This church meant a lot to me. You see, they needed money to be there remodeling and stuff. The guy just came in off the street. Doesn't he? He said, God's been good to me, and I always want to be a blessing to this church. I'm telling you, God takes care. Jason's doing a wonderful job there, and Kurt was there. I remember when Kurt got saved there along the time I was there. He's the associate pastor now. You understand? You're, you may be the leadership one day. God may have it for you. That's why I like all the young people here, the children, the future. The children that are in the back there, the young people that are here. That's the future. The future leaders of this, of this city could be right here in our school. Learning about Jesus. I heard about a ministry, it's called 4 to 14. And they talked about the fact that children ages 4 to 14, that's when they can, can be saved. That's the, the most fruitful, fruitful year in the lives of children, young people. And even if they don't get saved from age 4 to 14, if they're in church and they hear the Bible and they go to VBS, and they're, they'll, the seed will be sown that even later on in life, now they're 25 years old, they're married, and they're saying, you know what, what are we going to do? They'll get back in church. They'll go back to that, those roots and get saved and begin to do something for God. You see, so I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the ministries we have here to children. We want to help them. We're sowing seed. They're the future. If God before us, nothing can stand against us. Nothing. Nothing. The Bible says in 
Ephesians chapter 3 and, and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. You see, in my limited mind, see, everybody's there. They're all looking at Goliath. It took one young man to say, we can beat this. We can do this. We can do this. You see, we have to have faith. This can be done unto him that's, that can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Listen, you have Jesus in your heart. You have the Holy Spirit indwells you. You're not just anybody. You're somebody. You're not a nobody. What we have to do is start walking around like we're somebody and not get to the place where we're arrogant. But if anybody could be arrogant in this world, it's us. You know, we live close to Hollywood, you know, and I have family that comes in. I'll take them down to Beverly Hills and ride down that street. They'll be like one of the $500,000 car. I don't want that car. I want my chariot in heaven. I don't know going to be chariots in heaven, but you know what I'm saying? What does that guy, I have so much more than that guy has. If he doesn't have Jesus, I have so much more. And so do you. So many times, the comedians in this world, you just watch it. They make fun of Christians. But they're so, they're, listen, when I was coming home from Dubai on the airplane, I, I got to, the insurance company paid for me to sit in business class. So I had to, and they, had a, they put, actually put a mattress on your seat. Your seat folds down into a bed. And so I'm laying there, you know, watching this, looking for something to watch, and I watched this special on John Bellucci, and John Bellucci, you know who John, some of you do, he, he was a comedian. He died in his early 30s. But throughout that thing, he would write his wife, he was never home, he was out shooting something or doing, doing a movie or doing, he would write his, his wife a note, and he'd say, I just don't know what life's all about. My life is so empty. My life is so he must have wrote her a half a dozen notes like that. He's up on the stage making everybody laugh, partying, thinking everything is good. But inside the man, he's empty. You see, we're not that way. You see, we're full. We don't have the partying, but we're full. We don't have the luxuries that they have, all the money they have, but we're full. You understand? We're, sat we're settled. My mind and heart is settled on Jesus. It's settled on helping people. It's settled on heaven. I'm content with the things that I have. I'm not discontented. You see, those of you that have content, listen, we're content. That's where the, the riches are, being, are found and being happy with what you have. And you see, God gives to you so you can give to others. God gives to you so you can help others. I'm thankful that we can help others, that we can help other people. 
And the reason God gives us so much is so we can, we can help other people as they have need. Unto him that's able. Malachi 3.6. Again, the Bible says, for I, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Nothing's going to happen to you when I'm here. Nothing. And I'm telling you, nothing's going to happen to you when God's with you. Nothing. You're safe. You're secure. By His grace. Oh, I'm telling you, it's so exciting to be a Christian. We live, we live like an underdog. We live like an underdog. Look at chapter 17, verse 40. The Bible says, And he took the staff in his hand and chose him out uh, five smooth stones out of the brook. Like I said, we went down to that brook and we were able to get stones out of it. And put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even a script. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that that bare the shield, went before him. And when the Philistine looked about, he saw David, he disdained him. He just, what is this? What are you guys sending this little boy out here? He just, I can just see David, you know, I can just see Goliath, you know. What? This is an easy one in his mind. He's like, whoa. This is like playing the San Diego Chargers. This is an easy. No, I'm kidding. They're doing better this year. Sorry to hurt you, football. I, did, I shouldn't hurt you, football fans' feelings. I ruined the story for you. When the Philistine looked about, he saw David. He just, he's out here. Here's the Philistines looking out. This wasn't a big distance, church. You know, and he probably thought this David got lost or something, you know. What's this boy doing out here? In the field. He's looking around. Where's the warrior? He's looking all around. He's got some kid out here who's lost. Somebody come get their son. Your son's out here. He's lost. He's looking around. And finally he figures it out. He disdains him. He's just a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. You know, I mean, he, David just looked good. David come out there, and I mean, David was a good-looking boy, you know. He's just out there, and just probably his fingernails are all nice, you know. He's got them all shined up, and, you know, he, does, he is a shepherd, but, you know, he's got time to take care. He's well-groomed. He's making fun of him. And the Bible says, And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog? that thou comest to me with staves. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. You shouldn't have done that. Goliath, that was a big mistake. <laughs> Got that rock off. <gasps> I can imagine him shining that rock up. <gasps> Come on, keep saying it, buddy. Let's just say it. <gasps> just get shining that rock up. Put that thing in there. It's going, you're going down hard. I mean, I can just see David. Oh, mm. You know, he's probably going like this. Mm, mm, mm. Every time Goliath says something, he's like, 
mm, 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 just going faster. Those Philistine soldiers over there are probably getting dizzy from his, from his arm. And I imagine the Israelis army is like, just throw the rock. Just throw it. David just, okay. Come on, just keep saying it. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, thou comest with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. You've defied God, Goliath. You've defied him. The God of the army. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee and give, it, give the carcasses of the host of the Philippines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beast of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all the assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with a sword, not with a spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. This is it. I mean, David just tells him like it is. And he slings that stone and gets that stone out. And he throws it so hard it goes right into his forehead. And he falls over. Now he's knocked out. Okay, so I imagine all the Philistines soldiers, they go, whoa. They're probably looking, is he out? Is he dead? Is he gone? The Israeli soldiers, they're all behind the trees. They step out. What? Finish him. They're probably thinking, finish him. Finish him. He goes up there and steps up on top of his chest Imagine if it was today, he'd be taking some selfies. Well, let's get a selfie here with a, let's get the, let's get my army over here. Here's my army. Hi guys, thank you for hiding, you a bunch of wimps. And then all the Philistine army, you're all dead, you know, goodbye. No, he wouldn't have done that. You would have, but we wouldn't have. He gets up on there, he pull. He doesn't have a sword. He's all he got is a sling. What's he gonna do, strangle him? He takes his sword, picks it up. He probably could already pick it up and stabs him. Then he takes that sword and cuts his head off. Can you imagine? Years ago, some of you older people would know they used to used to hang a head on your on your your car on the mirror. I don't know what that was for. I never did it. You know, it was just something that they did. Can you imagine David having that on his chariot? Goliath's head comes in. You know. I'm telling you, they were fearful of the God of Israel that gave this boy the strength. And they respected him. And church, by the grace of God, when we do things for the Lord, we just bring glory to him. People have respect. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 tells us about the victory. But thanks be the God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have victory in him. And uh, 
God is so good. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is how we fight the battle. We do it in the power of God. Maybe, maybe the trial that you're going through is too much for you. Maybe the difficulties that you face are overwhelming. But I'm telling you, if God before us, who can be against us? We fight our battles through the power of God. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in high places. We look to God with one stone, with a precise throw. David killed, knocked him out, went in and killed him. The single victory, this one thing turned the tide for the nation. And so many times in our lives when we come through things, things we just don't think we can make it, it it just changes everything. It changes everything in our families. It changes everything at work sometimes. It changes everything in our church by having faith. You see, because hope is contagious. Hope is contagious. I mean... When the Israelite army saw what happened, man, they just, they just all came out and they finished it. They chased down those Philistines. They started to fight. They were afraid, but man, when they saw that Goliath was dead, they just came out and started to fight. And so, you can give hope to people. Hope is contagious. When we see the prayers of one answered, It encourages us to pray. When we see God provide for others, we know that God can provide for us. And we look to him. And so, it just takes one. It just takes a few. We look like underdogs today, but we're not. We have God. God is on our side. God is on our side. So let's just look to him. Let's live for him. Let's give him the glory. If you're able to accomplish anything, he gets all the glory. If you're able to win a victory, he gets the glory. You get a promotion at work, he gets the glory. You get a raise, he gets the glory. Something good happens, he gets the glory. I'm thankful that though we're an underdog, there's great hope for the underdogs. And that hope is Jesus. With Jesus, we're no longer an underdog. And all God's people said, amen. Father in heaven, thank you for your love for us. Lord, we're living in a world where we're becoming more and more the minority as Christians that love Jesus and are following you, God. But, but God, we're, we're the majority when we have you. God, help us. Lord, touch lives. Sometimes people feel, feel defeated. God, if there's one in this auditorium feeling defeated, help them know they're not defeated. All things work together for good. You're in control. You'll give them the victory. Just stay at it. Stay at the job. Stay faithful to the job. Stay faithful to the family. Stay faithful to the cause. God, help us not to be discouraged. Thank you for this, the sure hope of heaven 
And I pray, Lord, if there's one listening that's not sure of their home, they would open their heart to Jesus at this time. With heads bowed and eyes closed, as we close this service, I wonder if there's one this morning and say, I, I don't have that sure hope of heaven. I'm not sure I'm on my way to heaven. Pastor, pray for me. I'd like to know that for sure. Is there one? Would you lift your hand? I'll have a special word of prayer for you. I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you. If you're listening online, contact the office here. We'll get somebody out to see you or we'll send you some information. But I wonder, is there one say, Pastor, I'm not sure. Pray for me. I want to know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. Is there anybody? I wonder this morning, say, Pastor, you know what? I just kind of, I feel like the underdog. I've lost some hope in some areas of my life. I just need to get back on track and I just need to trust God and realize I'm on the winning team. And God spoke to my heart today. Is there anybody? Would you lift your hand? God spoke to my heart. My hand's lifted. Father, we see these hands. God, we know every, you know every heart. Help us, God, as we set the pace for others. Help the dads here set the pace for their families. Help the moms here. Uh, Lord, the single moms who are taking care of everything. Lord, help them, energize them, strengthen them as they lead their families. And Lord, together, as a body of believers of this church, in this community, in all the ministries of this church, would we march forth in the name of our God, in the name of our Savior Jesus Christ, and take the victories that you have for every one of us now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me, please? Let's sing this song together.